Hey, y'all. What is the deal? Everybody's sitting on the back five rows today. My God. I guess that makes good room for all of our visitors, right? You can all come up here and sit. <laughs> okay. Um, some of the things that we normally do, when everybody quits talking, I'll start a little bit. Or I can have Sherry turn me up if you need me to. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Black. <laughs> we like to start on time. We usually don't, but today is a different day, I guess. We're going to start on time. Um, so I'm not going to just give all the announcements today. You can get your bulletin and read those if you would like. Um, if you don't want to read it, that's okay, too. Uh, two announcements I really want to make is, one is we have a pastor coming for those of you that do know, for those of you that don't, I will just tell you a little bit. He's coming on the 9th of July. Uh, I know that's quite... <laughs> that's quite a ways away, I know that. But after we elected him, he had to drive a week to get back to Washington. <laughs> so uh, then he wants to spend a little bit of time in his church and not just go and say, hey, I'm leaving, and dump them and, and let them be on their own. He's going to try to help them transition a little bit, which is uh, respectable, very respectable for him to do that. And uh, so it's going to take him another week to drive back when he starts coming back. So that's, that's what all this time is, is for him to, to give his church two or three weeks' notice and help them into the guy that's going to take his place that's going to church there now. And then, like I said, it'll take him another week to get back and then a few days to settle in. So, uh, but be in prayer for him, for his travels, for his church, and for our church, because we're going to be it. To be honest with you, we are the foundation of this church, and we need to build a fortress on our foundation and get ready for what God's going to do and go forward from here. So just keep that in mind, too. Pray for us and us. So uh, another announcement is tonight, Sister Kim... And the youth are going to take the service. Um, are they in here? Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, I don't have my glasses on. I can't see that far. <laughs> so y'all come and, and share with the youth because it's important to them to know that we back them. And we do back them. And Sister Kim is doing a great job with them, her and Clint. So come and support them. And then this is a, a in the way of a personal announcement. I want all y'all to be here next Sunday morning. I'm going to show you something that I bet you've never seen before. Now, in a group like this, you think, well, we've all seen something. But I'm going to show you something next Sunday morning, and I promise you, 99% of you have never seen it. So if you want to see something special, come. And now, I know Brother Gary's going to have a great service next, a great sermon next Sunday morning, too. But this is up and besides that, and I promise you. You're going you're gonna to really, really like this. Okay, anyhow. Uh, now then, we want to uh, recognize our seniors. I don't know if very many of them are here today, but if you're a senior, and I'm not talking about elderly, I'm talking about, I'm talking about high school or, or college, whatever. If you are, please come on up here if you are. Okay, now, not to belittle 
what they've done because what they've accomplished is great. But I also want to say that I appreciate what the parents have done. I've raised three kids, helped with grandkids, and for the parents and the family that's got them this far, that is no small amount of work and order. So we appreciate the parents too, but this is their day. We're going to recognize them. Okay. Um. <laughs> what was that? Tell them your name, where you went to school, and all that kind of uh, stuff. My name's Justin Burden. I went to Long, uh, Long Grove High School. Okay. What you want to say? Yeah. Hey. I'm, I'm sure we, we can share the platform with you if you want to. <laughs> I'm Jacob Wood, and I went to Dixon High School. Okay. Okay, wait just a second. We have more. They didn't, they're not here today. But what we will do is we will get their gift to their parents. Or, they, you know, if there's anything really good in there, me and Rick might take it. <laughs> Now, Rick is here today because last week I forgot his name, yeah. and he was mad at me for a week. Yeah. And I've only known him for 30 years, yeah. so I recruited him today to come help me. All right. Okay. The only other thing we have, gentlemen, I appreciate y'all coming. Y'all can go sit down if you want to. I know y'all. I know y'all don't want to stand up here. <laughs> thank you, Rick. Appreciate it. Rick. Rick. Bill. Thank you. <laughs> okay, uh, the only other thing I've got this morning is the guys for the offering. Y'all come on up. Like I said, on the regular announcements, y'all can just get the bulletin and read that. I, I can make them, but we had enough stuff going on today anyhow. So, right here. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for these seniors, for all that they've accomplished, and for their parents and their family that's helped them through it all, Heavenly Father. Pray, Lord, that we will come and meet you because we know that you are here. And Heavenly Father, we know that you bless us as we bless you. And Lord, we pray that you'll keep this entire congregation safe and well, Heavenly Father, that we will walk in your will and seek your wisdom. Lord, we pray for this offering now that you will bless it to the glory of God for your work, Heavenly Father, in Christ's precious name. Amen. Yeah, go ahead and get to your feet this morning while y'all are given for the glory of God. We're going to go ahead and start worship. Father, we just want to welcome your presence in this place this morning, God. We thank you, Father, that you are here when we walk through the doors, God. We anticipate what you're going to do in each and every life and every family that is represented in your house this morning, God. We know that those that are here, God, are here for a reason, God, that you and only you know, Father. And we ask this morning that you would just move through every situation here, Lord. We just ask that you would just bring that joy, God, that only comes from your presence into each and every heart here, Lord. We praise your holy name. will be the only name that matters to me, the only one whose favor I see, the only name that matters to me. Yours will be the friendship and affection I need, oh, to feel my father smiling on me, the only name 
going to be so amazed at the glory that the only thing that comes from our lips is going to be Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the promise, God. 
thank you, Father. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Yes.
presence of the Spirit is so thick in here this morning. We just want to just wait on it. Can you just release your minds this morning to what the Spirit wants to say to you? Just open your hearts for the move.
congregation of believers we established this morning that you that you are the object of our desire we established this morning Lord that it's you it's you that we crave we established this morning Lord that it is you that we seek approval of it is you that we want to please and Lord, just as we've sung, Lord, our focus is upon you and you alone. Father, we don't want empty religion. We want Jesus. And Lord, we so desire that you be pleased in us. And Lord, here in this meeting, we seek your face. And Lord, we so glory in your love. Thank you for your presence that is here, Lord. We never want to take this for granted. Thank you for moving among us and for honoring us with your presence. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Boy, it's rich being in the presence of the Lord. Can anybody say amen? So rich. If you would let me share with you a scripture just prior to going into prayer time with you this morning. In Psalm chapter 34, verse 15, it says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. In verse 18, it says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and he saves such as have a contrite spirit. What I find there is, is this, the eyes of the Lord means the knowledge of God. Literally, God sees, God knows, but the reality, the eyes of the Lord upon his people. It says the righteous, but the only thing that makes us righteous is the blood of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen. And so what he's saying is, is this, and the psalmist is teaching us and saying, God's knowledge, the eyes of the Lord, God's knowledge is in the lives of his people. The good thing is he knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows every hiccup. He knows every road block. He knows every barrier. He knows the good. And he also knows the bad. He knows the challenges that you're dealing with. Now, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayers. That means that God not only knows, but God wants to be involved. He wants you to cry out to him in your time of need. And if you're here this morning, you've got a need, I get to tell you the eyes of the Lord are upon you. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows these graduates, what's ahead for them. And he knows every one of you that have a financial need. He knows every one of you that have a physical need. He knows everything. His eyes are upon you. And the great thing is, man, his ears are open to your prayers. 
But what that tells me is, is this, you need to pray. Uh, the fact is, I can't override your unbelief by praying for you. You know, I've literally had people that I've talked to and they said, I really don't believe. If you want to pray, go ahead and pray for me if you want to. And I go, I can't override your unbelief. If you remember with me, Jesus went into villages and he could not do or did not do many mighty miracles there. Why? Because of their unbelief. Now, Jesus can do anything, but the unbelief of the people caused him to not. And so I will tell you this, if you're here this morning and you want prayer, nobody's going to twist your arm. But the reality is the eyes of the Lord upon his people and his ears are open to your prayers. So if you would just, if you have a need and would love to give it to the Lord, would you just come and join me here at the front? I'd love to anoint you with oil and the deacons are going to come and join us in prayer. We're going to believe for God to minister very specifically to every need. Thank you, Lord. I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda, God. I'm sorry when I forgot that you're
thank you, Father, for meeting with us at an altar prayer. Thank you, Lord, for openly and mightily and even very specifically ministering to needs. We see you, God, God able, God in whom all things are possible. And Father, even though we live in a culture that wants to deny you, we want to proclaim you. May you be proclaimed in this church in Jesus' name. God bless your heart. God is so good. Amen. You can be seated. Love y'all. Thank you. You can't get rid of me yet. <laughs> it's a blessing for Paul and I to be with you. I am so excited for your new pastor. And it, it, yeah, let's give the Lord just an offering. Thank the Lord. That, that has been kind of, if you don't mind me saying, that's been kind of a long time coming, hadn't it? But thank God it happened, and thank God that you got a young man, uh, has some children. Uh, what, one of the things that I've learned in ministry is children draw children. Teenagers draw teenagers. And especially when you have a pastor that has them, and they'll see that this is a church where kids are important. And so they'll want to bring... When I went to Coweta, we was running, uh, really, I think that first service, we had about 30 uh, people on a that first church service that we had. And the church just did a tremendous, tremendous growth. Uh, we went from that 30 to over 600 when I left and went through three building projects, built uh, a brand new church, had to add a balcony and then built an outreach center. But I, I can tell you when I went there to that church, there was not a nursery. Uh, there was a storage room and what Paul and I did, we went in and cleaned out all the junk out of this storage room because it was a little small. Uh, those of you that are Assembly of God, you know what a shotgun church is. Shotgun church is two aisles straight down and that's it. That's a shotgun church, one, one aisle in the middle. And this one had shag carpet with a roll in the middle. And so you know exactly what it is. And so it was a, a really a hurting church. But uh, one of the first things I did was clean out that closet and buy some baby beds and turn that into a nursery. Had people ask me, well, why are you doing that? We don't even have any babies. And one of the things that I've learned in ministry is if you don't meet a need before you have the need, you'll never have the need. Are you with me? Uh, because they will come with their kids and if they realize that, wow, you're meeting this need, they'll come back. If they come with their kids and they say, you're not even, you don't give a rip for my kids, they won't come back. Amen? But I am so excited. In fact, I want to ask you, please. Now, I've been praying. I, I, honestly, I can tell you, I pray every day for you. And I've been praying every day for this new pastor. We've been praying for him a long time, haven't we? I think almost 11 months. And, and I talked to a few people and they said, man, is 100%. You can get 100% Christians agreeing on anything. That's a miracle. <laughs> And man, that is a miracle of God. What a blessing. And, and it's just exciting. I'm glad that you got a young one. That was one of the influences that if you let me influence you, I really wanted you to see you get a young one. And he's from Washington. And, but what a blessing, Marcus Truesdale. And so if you would, let's pray for him right now. Father, we pray for Marcus Truesdale. And Lord, may the church be ready when he comes. 
We pray that, Lord, you'd be with the church there in Washington, and Lord, comfort them, lead them, and guide them. May their leadership be able to unite together as they find their next pastor. And Lord, bless Marcus and his family as they come here to Long Grove. We pray your blessing. May there be a sweet unity. May there be a mighty move of your Holy Spirit. May your blessings continue right here in this church. And may this be the beginning of something great. May there be a mighty revival. May there be many lost souls saved. May there be a building of your kingdom through Lone Grove Assembly of God Church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would, uh, Paul and I, uh, got, I got to do something this week, and that's a picture of it. And uh, I got to give the wedding vows to one of my grandsons. They, they asked Papa to, yeah, that's pretty cool. In fact, since I've seen you last week, uh, or two weeks ago, I've done two weddings. Uh, my secretary from Chickasha, her daughter, uh, Emily, uh, she got married and asked me to marry her and married them at the Will Rogers Gardens in Oklahoma City. And all of, it's new to me too. And this one was at Blow's Barn and Gardens. Uh, very few people are getting married in churches anymore. Uh, they love these venues. In fact, if you're looking for a business, open up a marriage venue. They charge about $7,000. Yeah, uh, we're in the wrong business. Anybody say amen? Uh, I, I found something that happened this week. And this is, this is do you see that? Uh, that's a huge snake. And that was in my backyard. Uh, I, I went out. Now, I live in town. I live in Mustang. And this is a almost three-foot-plus snake. Now, I've had people over the years that have told me, this is a good snake. This is a bad snake. Okay. This is a good snake. Anybody say amen? amen? You know, the way I look at it is, if God intended me to like snakes, he wouldn't turn Satan into one. Right? I mean, God turned Satan into a snake, so I hate Satan, I hate snakes. Uh, all snakes are deadly. You know why? Because they make you do stupid stuff. They make you run into trees, they make you hurt yourself, and so all snakes are deadly. Okay, if you would please get out your Bible. I've got a message this morning, and uh, I really appreciate all your kindness shown Paul and I. You've been really sweet to us. And, and I've even had a couple of you that have mentioned the teaching, how much you enjoy it. And, and, and if you would, I've got a, a message this morning that you're going to have to really put on your thinking cap. Because this is one of those hidden treasures in Scripture. What I personally love to do, and I think you know me by now, I love to take a New Testament principle and illustrate it with an Old Testament story. And that way, the reason why, you get Old Testament and New Testament, and you grow in the Word of God. I believe we need to grow in the Word of God. Father, I pray your anointing now upon your Word. May your Word come alive to our hearts. May we receive from your Word everything that you desire for this congregation this morning, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Notice the title of the message, When and What. I want you to think with me here at the very beginning, when for this church? Uh, what is the when for this church? The when for this church is you've gone through almost 11 months without a pastor. I've been here filling in since February. And uh, when you've had somebody come and try out, I stayed out, you know, of course left and they tried out, but then I came back. 
And so the reality is when you look at the when of this church, this church is at a place where you've got a brand new pastor. You've you got a young guy. He's ready to go forward. He's got some energy. He's got some drive. He's got some ambition. He's got some motivation. Can anybody say amen? amen? That's the when. But now you need to, as a body, you need to also understand the what. I'm going to say to these graduates this morning, in your life, there's a when. You just graduated from high school. Then consider the what. Uh, if you would, please go with me in this message. Now, I'm going to ask a question and don't answer it because the likelihood is pretty high that it would be the wrong answer. And I, I don't set you up to embarrass you, but let me ask you two questions about gifts. If I was to ask you about gifts, I would say, what are the gifts of God? And then I, another question for you to consider is, when were the gifts of God given? Okay, now think with me a moment. I know when we normally look and listen to that question, our mind normally goes to 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, and we think of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is good. And that's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. What I find also in Romans chapter 12 is another listing. So we've got nine are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You've got a listing of seven in Romans chapter 12 and in Ephesians list five. So when you look at that and add it up, that's 21 gifts and 18 different ones because prophecy and teaching, prophecy is mentioned in each category. It's mentioned three times and teaching is mentioned twice. So we've got 18 different gifts there. Okay. Another thing for you to consider is this, is this all the gifts of God? And I'm going to tell you, no, it's not because we've got an infinite God. I believe that there's such thing as a gift of worship leading worship. Julie just was a beautiful example of that. And so please, if you would, consider the gifts of God. Um, what I find is that there was in the Old Testament a gift of God. Uh, that was that question, when did the gifts begin? Were there prophets in the Old Testament? If it, wow, I got one amen. Uh, do you know your Bible? Were there prophets in the Old Testament? Uh, throw out a couple of names. Isaiah, Jeremiah, you know, they were prophets. Are, are you with me? And so the fact is, yes. Was there the gift of prophecy in the Old Testament? Yeah. Oh, you better believe it. It was there. David was a prophet. Uh, read Psalm. And so if you would please think of Old Testament and a special group of people. Uh, it's a special group of people that honestly you can overlook so easy. And, and it's found there as the sons of Issachar. If you will, Issachar, just a little back, look at the screen and kind of follow with me because I want to lay this foundation. It's critical. Uh, the group of the sons of Issachar, Issachar was the fifth son of Leah and Jacob. If you remember with me, Jacob had what we would call four wives, Rachel, Leah, and then the two maidservants, Bella and Zelpah. Issachar, as Jacob's son, became one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Issachar, according to Revelation 21 and 12, will be a name written on one of the 12 gates in heaven. Uh, Jacob, or Israel, had 12 sons. It became the 12 tribes of Israel. Reuben, here, here's birth order. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher. Issachar was the ninth in all of the children, the fifth born to Leah, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. There is where we find Issachar. 
Now, I find, if you will please, and notice with me, First Chronicles 12, 23 through 37, there's 336,100 men who pledged their loyalty to David. If you would, please go with me to First Chronicles. When you find First Chronicles, find with me First Chronicles chapter 12. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 23. Now, these were the num numbers of the divisions that were equipped for war and came to David at Hebron to turn over the kingdom of Saul to David according to the word of the Lord. Then if you will, here's this chronicling, that, that's why it's called chronicles. It's the chronicling of each of these different tribes. 20, verse 24 is Judah, Simeon, Levi, if you will. Verse 29 is Benjamin, Ephraim, Issachar, verse 32. We're going to come back there. But go to verse 38, and it says, All these men of war who could keep ranks came to Hebron with a loyal heart to make David king over all Israel. And all the rest of Israel were of one mind to make David king. Now, if you would please go back to that verse, verse 32. And it says, Of the sons of Issachar, listen to the gift. Of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. That is, that is a hidden nugget that means so much to your church today. They had an understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. I tell you, I, I learned something there that is critical for us Christians today. I, I refer to it as the gift of Issachar. It's interesting that Issachar had only 200 listed as their numbers when the others had literally thousands. When This is some of the boring, most boring reading in Scripture. That's why many people overlook this, because you get caught up in all the numbers, and then you overlook the nugget of truth. Issachar, though not large in number, was important to Israel. There was a special blessing of the Lord upon the tribe of Issachar. The blessing of Issachar was twofold. They had an understanding of the time, and they knew what Israel ought to do. If you would, please, for them personally at this time, they knew, look at the screen with me, and they knew the when, when they were, and they knew what they should do. If you will, please, the when was Saul's son should not be king. They knew that. Uh, David should be king of Israel. They knew that. They knew that David is God's anointed. David will lead in God's will. David will defend Israel as a mighty man of war. They, they knew that. They knew the when they lived. And then they knew what they should do as a result of that. As a result of that when, the what was, we need to make David king. We need to unite together. We need to do everything we can that David is upon the throne of Israel. Now, this is a gift that Long Grove Assembly of God Church desperately needs right now. This is a message of the Lord for this church right now. You need to understand the when, and you need to know what you should do. This is also a gift that every leader of every home needs to know. I don't care how old you are, if you're the spiritual head of your house, you need to know when and you need to know what. This is also a gift that 
every one of us, I don't care where you're at, and I'm going to prove this to you if you just stick with me for a few moments. No matter what age group you're in right now, no matter where you are, you need to understand the when of when you're living right now and what you need to do. And if you'll stick with me, I'll prove it to you. If you will, the first thing, number one point is this. Understand both when and what. The time that we desperately need to understand is the right now. You need to understand where you are right now in your life as a church and as an individual. History is behind us. Thank God. Uh, my, My thing to you about history, put it under the blood and forget it. Pick a point and go forward. Amen. Uh, The future is ahead of us. Everything you do today is going to influence your future. Amen. Now, what we do today will affect our tomorrow. So today is the day, if you will please note, today is the day that you need to understand. Now, one of the biggest rebukes of Jesus was this right here. Notice with me in Matthew. In Matthew chapter 16, it says, Then the Pharisees and the Sadducees came, and testing Jesus, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather. This sounds like somebody from Oklahoma. You know, you, you know the weather. You've you got to watch the weather in Oklahoma, or you might get hit by a tornado. And so he said, uh, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. You you hypocrites, Jesus, you pretenders, you you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. In other words, you don't know what time you're in. Man, you can talk about the trivial things of, man, it's going to be bad weather today. How's the weather today? Talk about the trivial things that really amount to nothing. But notice with me, uh, you cannot discern the sign of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. Now, if you want to know uh, Matthew chapter 12, just four chapters back, he gives exactly what the sign of Jonah was. That Jonah would be three days and three nights in the belly of the fish and the son of man would be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So in other words, the sign that they were going to be given was he was going to die on the cross of Calvary. He was going to rise again on the third day. That's the sign you're going to get. Are you with me? And I I love that. Uh, Jesus is pretty sharp. Amen. Uh, But notice with me this severe correction from Christ. See, the correction that Jesus gave was that they understood the weather from the knowledge of evaluating the signs that pointed to a weather change. But they had no understanding of the signs of the time that they lived. Look at the screen with me, please. Now, I'm shooting for 100%. Uh, If you would, please, would you elbow your neighbor just a moment? Just kind of give him a little bit of elbow. Okay, quit talking, put up your phone, and listen to me. I'm not running for pastor here. I can just be blunt with you. You need this message, and you don't even know it yet. If you'll stick with me, uh, you're going to have a revelation from God. Okay, notice with me what Jesus was so upset with. Because I don't want Jesus to be upset with this church. I I don't want you to be under the judgment of God. I want you to be under the blessing of the Lord. 
So notice with me, the when was Messiah. This is, this is what Jesus was saying. Uh, guys in the back, please give me your attention. And this is this. Uh, Messiah was standing in front of them. The Old Testament prophecies concerning Messiah coming were being fulfilled. Uh, th this is what Jesus was so upset about. Uh, God was revealing himself in a very special way. Jesus was God visiting them. Uh, he was standing in front of all these religious people and, and, and he got so put out at them because you don't even know I'm God. And what? They should have been worshiping Jesus. They should have recognized this is the hour of our visitation. There's the Lord. We need to worship him. But they didn't. And that was the rebuke of Jesus Christ. They did not have an understanding of the time that they lived. Today, prophecy after prophecy is being fulfilled and Messiah is coming back again. Let me say that again. Messiah is coming back again. Jesus Christ is coming back to planet Earth. Man, and he's not going to come back as a baby in a manger. He's not going to come back as a suffering Savior. He's going to come back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we need to understand the time that we live. We're living in a culture that is anti-Christ. We're living in a culture that a preacher can preach his guts out behind a pulpit and people laugh at him and talk and do anything but allow the Holy Spirit to touch their hearts. See, I don't want to miss Jesus Christ. I don't want to miss the Messiah when he comes again. I, I, as a church, as a pastor, a preacher, I want to know what time I live. I want to know the when. Can anybody say amen? amen. Now, let me tell you, bud, you go, you're going to want to know the when. The when that we are living. If you will, please. Now, I, I'm sweet. I, I'm really a nice guy. You know, another challenge from Christ concerning the same topic. And see, I'm, here I'm building a case. If, if you understand my, my train of thought, he's building a case. He's building a case that we need to know the when. Okay, notice what Jesus says here. Then Jesus also said to the multitudes, it was the scribes and the Pharisees before, the religious folks. Now he's just talking to everybody. Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say a shower's coming. And so it is. He's still going back to the weather because everybody seems to be preoccupied with weather. And when you see the south wind blow, you say there will be hot weather. And there is. You got it right. You studied it. And yeah, bingo. Uh, hypocrites. Uh, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth. But how is it you do not discern this time? You, know, you can talk about the weather and guess it. And yeah, you're, you, you've got enough knowledge to be able to write on. Good job. It's going to be hot today. It's going to be cold today. Yeah, it's going to rain. Big deal. You're missing what's really important. Okay, understand. The multitude received the same rebuke as the religious leaders. Uh, they studied the weather. They could tell what and about what was going to happen because of the current conditions. But they could not understand the time that they live. They had no discernment of the time. See, we need to receive this as a correction for us. Let, let this correct our hearts. Uh, there are people who can recite the starting lineup of every player of their favorite ball team. There are people that can recite back to you and tell you how many teams play in the NFL, the NBA, or the NHL. Uh, there are people who can give you the winning record from the past games and the teams that it, they have followed. They can tell you who right now is playing in the NBA championship. They can tell you who's still a, alive in the uh, college softball 
uh, World Series that's going on. Uh, they can quote statistics of golf, golfers, pro wrestlers, and dozen of professional athletes, but they can't tell you where the Sermon of the Mount is in the Bible. There are people who can recite a 10-ingredient recipe. I'm getting on the ladies now. Uh, they can recite a 10-ingredient recipe by heart. They can recall 12 different telephone numbers without a thought. They can give the nightly lineup of the TV programming without using a guide. They can tell you to the penny how much money they've got in their savings account. But they can't tell you what Paul said about the perilous times just before the return of Jesus Christ. There are people who can tell you specific details about the life of their favorite singers. Now I'm going to go to the teenagers. Uh, they, there are people who can quote word for word the lyrics of dozens of secular songs, including commercials. <laughs> Do you ever walk away from a commercial and get the jingle, and next thing you know you're singing it during the day? And you go, man, why in the world did that get in my mind? Uh, there are people who can quote the dialogue from movies. There are people who can give details concerning movie stars, musicians, what's in, what's out, who's the most popular, who's not. But they can't tell you anything about the connection between current events and the return of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you there's something wrong. Consider this with me. Uh, the problem is not that the people are dumb. The problem is not that the people can't learn. The problem is not that the people can't memorize. But I've had people say, oh, I can't memorize. Well, you can memorize what you want to. Yes. You got that recipe down. You got the NFL team down. You got that down. You memorize that. Yes. I'm getting Lisa less popular. <laughs> the problem is the same that Jesus was preaching about. Understand, uh, you guys know the weather, you can say the wind, and you, you got all this trivial stuff down. The problem was wrong priorities. We live in a society where the wrong priorities have invaded the church. We've got people sitting in the church that don't know what time it is. They don't know the when. And even if they have ever been told, they're ignoring it. Uh, there is nothing wrong with knowledge about any of this. There's nothing wrong with knowledge about the weather. There's nothing wrong with knowledge about cooking, sports, TV, movies, music. Nothing wrong with that. But with the gaining of knowledge, you need to understand also what time it is and what you need to do. The what and the when. Um, what you need is a personal evaluation. You need this. And please, I think I finally got 100%. You need a personal evaluation of the time that you personally are living. Okay, if you would, let's take this very personal. If you will, every one of us are in one of these categories. And that is, if you will, from the developmental years. If you're here this morning, 18 and under, you're in your developmental years. For the most part, your brain is growing at, at a greater rate than it ever will again. You learn more in those, that age span than any other time in your life. You learn how to walk. You learn how to talk. You, learn, you go to school. You learn what math is. It's the de de developmental years. If you will, the next is the decision years, 18 through 25. 
That's where all five of my grandsons are. And the reality is when you're 18, these graduates, this is perfect for you graduates, because in that time frame, you'll make all the major decisions, most all the major decisions of your life. What school do I go to? What vocational am I going to enter into? Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to live? Almost all of those are made in that time frame. Anybody say amen? amen. You know, most all of us did it. And that's the decision years. The next category is the building years, and that's the 26 to 40. That's when you're building your family. For the most part, many of us get married and find a home, maybe build a home, maybe make a decision where we're going to live. And it's, it's building years. We build our, our finances. We, we build our vocation, whatever it is. We, we've been there for, you know, five, ten years now. We're building. And then the next is the productive years. This is when you, uh, you, you ought to be your highest income in this time period from 41 to 66. And most of you can look back and say, yeah, that was when I was my most productive. That's when I was a CEO. I've been a CEO of uh, three churches. And the reality is, is that, you know, is your productive time. Uh, that's when you make the most money. You know, honestly, if you're still, you know, on the lower end, then you weren't ambitious. You were lazy. Okay. But that's productive. And then for the most part, and, and I don't want to offend anybody, but for the most part, 67 to heaven, uh, this is that rest, relax and enjoy yourself. You, you look out in the parking lot and I've got a Jeep out there with a kayak in the back of it. And <clears throat> man, uh, I'm living it up. You know, uh, I, I believe you ought to enjoy life. You've worked your tail off and now it's time to enjoy it. Everybody say amen. amen. And thank God for that. that. Now, look at that and where are you? Because every, like I said, everyone, everybody in the congregation, uh, this, this is all of you. And all of you are one of those places in your personal life. You need to understand, please understand, and this is going somewhere for the church. You need to understand the when of your life. When am I? Okay, that's critical. Now, if you would, please look at another timetable, because this is very critical that you understand the when. Uh, here tells us when we're living. If you remember with me, Abraham, Genesis chapter 12 was the beginning of the nation. Uh, God spoke to Abraham, Genesis 12, 1 through 4, and asked him to get, come out and to be able to go to a place that he would show him. And it would, was going to be the land of Israel. And from Abraham began a people. They were the Hebrews who became the Jews. If you would, the giving of the law, that's in the time of Moses. And if you remember with me, the giving of the law, the guidelines of God to worship him. If you will, then there was the building of a nation, the building of Israel. Uh, Israel began with judges in the promised land and from judges went to their first king, Saul. Then went, if you remember with me to David, and it became literally the building of a nation. If you remember with me as part of the building of the nation, there was a time in which the nation was split, became the northern kingdom of, uh, if you will, Israel with the capital of Samaria, the southern kingdom of Judah with the capital of Jerusalem, a split nation, very much like our Confederate Union. It was split. And there was a judgment of God came in and took the northern nation into Assyrian captivity and the southern nation into Babylonian captivity. And that was the time of captivity. Then what we find is there was the rebuilding of the nation when God let them go back. Okay, if you would please, there was the sending of Christ. Thank God when the fullness of time had come, time is very important to God. And please, you need to understand time is very important to him, so it needs to be important to us. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. And so that was Jesus. Jesus came right on time. 
If you remember with me, when Jesus was crucified, that was a high and holy Sabbath. It was also the Passover. It was critical that Jesus die, not, not so much on the Sabbath, but he died on the Passover. And it just so happened that that year, Jesus is always on time. Jesus set his face like flint to get to Jerusalem to be on the cross at exactly the right time. If you remember with me, then there was the reestablishing of Israel. Of course, they were dispersed. We talked about Assyria and Babylonian. Now there's the regathering. 1947, May 4th, Israel became a nation. We've seen that in our history. Anyone that is a studier of Israel, you know that Israel today, there's a Zionism, a returning to the land. And then the prophecies fulfilled, Matthew 24. Here's where you study about the end time events. Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. Man relationship with man, wars, rumors of wars, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Uh, I heard this, the news this morning, very volatile with China. We could be in war with China next week. You got to understand the time you live. Uh, understand we're living in a critical time. Uh, man in relationship with man, man in relationship to the environment, fam famines, pestilences, earthquakes, man, it's here. And then man in relationship with God, the gospel is being preached worldwide by way of live stream, but people are yawning in your face. The hearts of many are waxing cold. It's the culture that we live in. We're living, there is no question, we're living in the time just prior to the return of Jesus Christ. If you will, the next, the next thing to happen on God's timetable is the return of Jesus Christ. There, there doesn't have to be anything else happen before Christ returns. Uh, in Luke 21, Jesus said, when these things begin to happen, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Have they begun to happen? Man, they've begun to happen. Jesus could come back and he wouldn't have to apologize to anybody. Amen. And so this is the time that we live. You need to understand, and please stick with me, and I know it's a little heavy, but, but God gave it to me, and he, he wanted me to give it to you. You need to understand the when and the what. If you will, the next is, you need to act upon. You need to act upon the when and the what that you live. Understanding that we're living just before the return of Jesus Christ, what should we do? I'm going to take you down a couple of things that this is what you and I, and, and I'm preaching to myself, this is what you and I should be doing in this time right now. Uh, notice with me Romans 13. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this knowing the time. This is what you're supposed to do, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off all the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in, revel in the revelry, not in drunkenness, not in lewdness, and not in lust, not in strife, not in envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Amen. There is exactly, understand, this is how we act upon knowing what time we're living. Here's the breakdown. It's time for you to love others with the godly love and the love of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen. I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, quit being offended by one another. As a body of believers and as individuals, if you've got any hard feelings for somebody over here or somebody over there, get over it. Uh, if you don't like him back there or her up there, quit that. The enemy uses that to bring division. 
What time is it? It's time for you to drop any pettiness and to love one another. What time is it? It's time for you to cast off the works of darkness. Uh, quit playing with the things of the world. Uh, don't do anything you wouldn't want to be doing if Jesus returned. If you think, boy, I'd hate to be caught doing this if Jesus returned right now. It makes you want to just step up behind him and go. <laughs> it's time to realize that your salvation is nearer than when you first believed. Amen. It's time to understand that you're closer to heaven right now than you've ever been. You are, I'm closer to heaven than I've ever been. Hallelujah. It's time. See, the church should not be sad. The church should not be troubled. The church should not be full of fear about the time that we're living. We ought to be excited. Jesus Christ is not coming back for a widow. He's coming back for a bride. You know, and I did two weddings this week, and I'm going to tell you, the thing I tell everybody when I do a wedding is this. The most honored guest is the bride. And the fact is, is the last one to come in is the most honored guest. And everybody's seated. Everybody's already in place. And everybody's waiting, waiting, waiting. There's a couple of this past week. We've really waited. We waited. And then finally the doors open and in comes the bride. Every eye goes to the bride. She is the most honored guest. And then I tell everybody in the wedding party, keep your shoulders square with the bride. As she starts walking up, you always follow the bride. And then there, uh, it, all the focus is upon the bride. And I guarantee you, every bride I've seen has walked down that aisle either with tears of joy or just beaming. <laughs> so happy to be there. <laughs> she, it is her day. I've also stood behind this pulpit and watched a widow walk in. All eyes again, for the most part, go to that widow. She's dressed in black. And boy, she hangs her head. Uh, a lot of times there's somebody holding her up. Maybe one of the children on both sides holding her to get her in here. You get her in and she sits uh, towards the front. And man, she's weeping. Her heart is broken. She's a widow. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ is not coming back for a widow. Jesus Christ is coming back for a bride. He wants us to be his bride, excited about his return. Uh, there, there's too much sadness in the church. Uh, we need to be excited about being a Christian. Uh, we need to be a magnet by which other people want to be a part of us. Who wants to be a part of a bunch of people who are griping and moaning and groaning and complaining about everything? Uh, my mother, if, if she could look at a yard, and, and I'm a yard guy, and I fertilize and water and make my grass pretty, and I cut it and man it be level. And she could come over to my house, and my yard would be perfect, but have one dandelion, and she'd go, look at that dandelion. <laughs> I mean, you, I go, look at that whole yard, how it looks so pretty. And you point out one weed. I've seen Christians that way. You come to church, well, what do you like about it? You do not have a scorecard. Quit grading me. <laughs> I love you guys. I really do like you. We, we, we need to quit being so critical. God delivers from that. Nobody wants to be a part of that. We want this church ready for Marcus. And y'all need to get your act together. 
Y'all you know, need to be happy when he gets here. Man, we're so glad to see you. Not, you're too young. You're not smart enough. Look at them kids. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Okay. This is what we should be doing. Philippians, if you would, please. Philippians 3. For our citizenship is not Lone Grove. Not the United States of America. Much I love the nation. This is not my citizenship. Notice with me, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to His glorious body, according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. Notice what time it is. It's time to understand that you are a citizen of another place. I'm just here visiting. This is a temporary place for every one of us. We've got another place that we call home. If you'll notice with me, it's time for you to hold on to the things of this world very lightly. You know, enjoy it. Enjoy it. You ought to enjoy everything. Men, trust me, I'm a toy guy. I got toys everywhere. And I enjoy them. And enjoy the life. But understand, hold on to it very lightly. Uh, Paula will tell you the only thing around our house that's not for sale is her. You want my BMW? You make me right off or it's yours. You want my kayak out there? Man, you make me right off or it's yours. I hold on to it very lightly. If you will, notice with me, it's time to eagerly wait for the coming of the Lord. Jesus Christ is coming back, and we need to be eager. It's time to anticipate a transformed body. Man, now some of you are, you are kind of cute and kind of pretty, but the reality is if you hang around long enough, it's not going to be. <laughs> You're going to get old. <laughs> yeah. And what doesn't wrinkle now, it's going to wrinkle. <laughs> Trust me, you, you might think that you're immune to it, but mm, no, it ain't. <laughs> but when you get older, you're going to be thanking God for the transformed body. Now, you're younger. I remember, you know, competing in weightlifting, powerlifting, all that stuff, and managing health clubs. And there was a time when I thought, man, you look pretty good. But the reality is, is that's all going to be gone. You know, there's going to be a time when you're old like the rest of us. And you're going to be looking forward to the fact that I'm about ready to trade up. Yeah. You might say, hey, man, man, I'm looking forward to trading up. I'm about to use this one up. Uh, my, my, my goal is, is that when I die, nobody wants any of my parts. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, they say, did you sign that on your, on your uh, driver's license? I said, yeah, I did. I signed that I'll donate anything, but I'm going to so use it up. But how I get through with it, nobody wants it. <laughs> Amen. Uh, if you, boy, y'all are really helping me, and I love that. Uh, First Peter, here, this is what y'all to do. This is going real quickly. First Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance, notice with me, this doesn't sound like anything that ought to make you depressed, uh, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved for you in heaven, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Boy, that's where we are the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. See, we rejoice now. We're not a bunch of sour pusses. We're rejoicing. In this you re greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. And yeah, it's the 
kind of the pits living in the last days, but I'm still rejoicing that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revealing, the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you still love him. And I've got to say, I've not seen him with my physical eyes, but I love him. Uh, though now you, are, you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. We rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory. Hallelujah. Again, man, we ought to be the happiest people on the planet. Uh, we ought to go out to Walmart and everybody look at us and go, wow, why are they so happy? Uh, I've seen Christians, though, you look at them at Walmart, you go, man, they got something wrong with them. There's a fungus among us, you know, and you just, God help us and deliver us from that. Uh, notice with me, it is time for us to have a living hope. It is time for us to recognize we've got an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away in the name of Jesus Christ. It is time. Uh, it is time for us to greatly rejoice even in trials. You might say, man, yeah, yeah, you have trials. Yeah, you have difficulty. Uh, I had a hip replacement surgery, had a shoulder replacement surgery, had five back surgery. I could talk about my aches and pains. Well, why? Quit talking about it. Uh, quit giving it so much recognition. There is such a thing as a spirit of infirmity. Jesus healed the lady of the spirit of infirmity. What is the spirit of infirmity? That's all you're talking about is your aches and pains. God deliver you from talking about your aches and pains. Amen. Now, if somebody asks you, yeah, but the reality is, quit talking about it. If you'll notice with me, it is time for us to give praise, honor, glory at the revealing of Jesus Christ. It's time for us to rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory. It's time for you to put a smile on your face. It is. Now, yes, we need to be reaching the laws. Yes. yes. Yes, we need to be living wholly separate and ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Yes. And yes, we need to be showing genuine love for one another. But we should be doing it with joy, flooding our souls because we're about to see Jesus. It ought to be with a big smile on your face. Man, I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy to be here. And uh, I passed 10 churches to come to this one. I'm happy to be here. Amen. Now, I believe the blessing of Issachar. Now, please go back biblically. I believe the blessing, I call it the gift of Issachar. Paul has been dealing with me in kind of one of them wife things to write a book because I've never seen any study on this at all. And it's just one of those revelations that God gave me that I really cherish. And that is the gift of Issachar. Now, I believe that we can have an understanding of the time that we live. And I believe that we can know what we're supposed to do. If you would, please note with me. And let's see this together. There we go. Notice with me the personal time of when and the what. I want you to bring this to Lone Grove Assembly of God Church right now. Because I'm going to tell you, if you attend this church, if this is your church that you attend, I, I met new people today, and God bless you. And, and I'm going to say, come back. You're welcome back with open arms. Amen. If you look around and there's somebody that used to attend this church, uh, you need to call them and say, hey, we got a new pastor. 
Things are moving. Come back. We want you back. We'll welcome you with open arms. I agree with Brother Randy, and that is those of you that stayed right here through this, you're the foundation. Thank God for you. Thank God you toughed it out. But just because you toughed it out doesn't give you a star. You don't get a sticker. That a boy sticker. You don't get one of them. Uh, you, you just get to be the one welcoming people back. Okay, now notice with me, where, where do you find yourself in the developing years up to 18, the decision, 18, 12, so on. What you need to do, who, whoever you are, is you need to evaluate the what you need to be doing. See, the thing is, is you're not supposed to just come and sit. You're supposed to come and do something. You know, it may be a guard out front. Trust me, there's somebody sitting out front right now as a guard in the culture that we live in. We need that. That's just wisdom. You say, well, I can't preach. I can't teach. I can't sing. Well, you could sit out there and relieve somebody else. Be on the list. Uh, can you smile and greet people and shake hands as they walk in the door? You can do that. Can you telephone call people that have been missed, people that are not here? Uh, can you get the prayer list and pray for people? But understand this, with this here, maybe your physical condition limits you. you. You can't help in the nursery, can't bend down and pick up the kids. Then don't go to the nursery, but go where God wants you. Are you with me? I'm going to say wherever you are on this left side, there's something on this right side that you can do. Uh, it may be gifts, it may be whatever your interests, your abilities, your intellect, your relationships, your physical condition. Uh, man, we need somebody working with the youth. There's going to be a new youth pastor. There's going to be a new children's pastor. We need somebody that has a vision for kids to, to get involved. And maybe you've got the physical condition to be able to be a help there. Uh, maybe you're at the place where you've got a financial level that you can say, hey, you know what? Youth camp's coming up and any kid that, you ca that can't go to youth camp, I'll pay for their camp. That's you using. Where are you at? You're, you're at the place where you're the most financially blessed. If you're the most financially blessed in this church, then you need to start using your money to further the kingdom of God. And that's your gift. That, that's where you're at. And so understand, with that gifting, allow God to use you. This is where the church is. You need to understand the when of your personal life and what you need to do. And it's all of you. It's all of us building the kingdom of God. Uh, Paul and I already on the 26th, I'm going to be at another church. It's El Reno Assembly of God Church. Their pastor is, is leaving. He's been there over 20 years and that church is going to be hurting. So I'm going to leave this one. And I'm going to go to another one. Why? Because that's the when and the what for me. And you need to do it too. Number three, this is the last and I'll get off your back. <laughs> Together, through it all. This is critical. Notice with me the trait of the gift. In 1 Chronicles 12 and 32, of the sons of Issachar, who, and, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, their chiefs, their deacons, their pastor, the leadership, their chiefs were 200, and all their brethren were at their command. Everybody was at the command of the leadership. Amen. Notice all, all, all of Lone Grove Assembly of God Church came together as one. Amen. In other words, all the brethren were on the same page. All their brethren wanted the same thing. All their brethren were united together. All their brethren could be counted on. 
all their brethren were willing to work together. Amen. And see, that's where this church is. Yes. Uh, you need to come together in a unity and say, where can God use me here? What can God do through me in Lone Grove? It's not, oh, I'm going to sit back and just kind of watch the guy and see, see if he fails or fumbles. No. You need to, at the very beginning, get in there and say, where can I help? And you need to ask God what God wants you to do for this church, because it needs to be everybody working together. Please understand this with me. Uh, though times in personal life may be different, and you, you, you're in one of these categories. There used to be, I, I remember back in the 70s, there was this phrase that we heard over and over, because I, I graduated from school in 72, high school, and we, we used to always hear generation gap. Anybody remember that? The generation gap. And that was is that everybody my age thought the older people were dumb and out of touch and didn't have a clue what was going on. And the reality is now I am that age. And, and uh, the reality is this is what we need. We need no generation gap. I don't care how old you are. You're important. I don't care if you're 98 years old, you're the oldest dude in the church, or if you were born last week. Everyone is important in Lone Grove. We don't need any age division. Can anybody say amen? We don't need, well, well I, I'm leaving this church if they don't, I've literally had somebody say this to me. I'm leaving this church if they don't sing Amazing Grace. Well, God help you. You just made me not want to sing it. Are you with me? Uh, I, on the other hand, I've had some people say, well, I'm going to leave this church if they don't, sing, and this has been a few years, if they don't start singing Hillsong. Because it was a, the popular at that time. Understand, it's not about the style of music. It's about the heart of worship. Amen. What I'd love to see is you've got somebody 90 years old and someone nine years old standing side by side, worshiping the same Jesus. Amen. And not really caring about the style of the music, just caring about the heart of the worship. That's where God wants Lone Grove Assembly of God Church. God wants y'all to come together. See, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a temporary guy. I, I'm a guy that, let me just be honest with you. I, I pray, I seek God for what he wants me to say to you. And I want to hear his voice and I want to obey. One of my daily prayers is, God, I set and establish you as the object of my desire. <clears throat> I establish you as the one I want to please. <clears throat> I establish you as the one I seek the approval of. And so I want to please him more than anything. But what God wants is this. He wants this church to go forward and to be better than you've ever been before. Thank God for the past. Thank God for every pastor. Whatever name you want to throw out as a history pastor, God bless them. Thank God for the guy that built this church. Thank God for all of them. They invested in the past. And the reality is we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for their investment. But that's history. Now it's time to go forward. 
and you're about to get a brand new pastor and we want him to hit the ground running. Amen. We want him full of energy knowing that his church is behind him and we want God's blessing upon him and upon you. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray right now for this specific congregation. Every one of us find ourselves at different places in the time of life. And may we right now evaluate where we are. May we understand the when. And Lord, we ask that with the understanding of the when, there would be a revealing of your Holy Spirit that we would know what, what we need to do. So Father, I pray that if there's any that right now, this morning, are away from you, may they understand the when that today is the day of salvation. May they understand the what, that today is the day to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Break down every wall, remove any barrier, and any that need you this morning, may this be the day, may this be the time that they receive you as Lord and Savior. With heads bowed and eyes closed in just a moment, no one looking around, I want to give an opportunity for someone to come back to Christ or to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior for the first time. And I'd love to have a prayer with you, with you seated right there where you are. I'm not going to ask you to stand or walk to the front. I just want to lead you to Christ. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer of salvation seated right there where you are. And you're this morning, you know the when. The when is right now, today's my day of salvation. And you know what? I need to pray that prayer. And if you'd allow me to lead you in that prayer of salvation, would you just raise your hand right now? Just letting me know you're here and you need Christ. God bless your heart, ma'am. I see your hand. You can put it right back down. Is there any others that you'd raise your hand this morning and just say, I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. I understand the time that I live and I've just not been putting Jesus as a priority. And it's time. It's time for me to make Jesus a priority in my life. Would you raise your hand? You're here this morning. God bless you, young man. I see your hand. Bless your heart. Are there any others? I believe God's dealing with some others. God bless your heart back there in the back. Young man, I see you. I see yours, ma'am. God bless your heart. I'm going to take just a moment because I believe the priority thing is the Holy Spirit is really revealing to people that it's time to make God a priority. If you want to make God's house and God a priority in your life, and you need to take part in this prayer, I'm gonna just ask you, would you raise your hand too? You're here this morning. Any others? Many hands have gone up and I want, I want to lead in a prayer. And maybe someone even by way of live stream, this morning you're rededicating your life to Christ or receiving Jesus for the very first time. If you'll pray this prayer, meaning it from the depth of your heart, this is that day, the day of salvation. This is the win. And this is the what. Congregation, if you would please pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. Lord, come into my life. I establish you as the priority of my life. I want you to be Lord 
of my life. Help me, Lord, to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And to God be the glory. Would you stand with me, please? I want to give an altar call now for the whole congregation. Because I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you again, whatever would attempt to keep you out of the altar, when I just say that right there, because I, I know there's a tendency for us to say, well, you know, I, I'm not going to pray. Well, I'm going to tell you the most important thing you do when you come to church is pray. Because Jesus said, my house should be called a house of what? House of prayer. It's not a house of fellowship. It's not a, even a house of singing. It's a house of prayer. So Jesus wants you to pray. You don't have to come to the front, but I, I invite. But this is what I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And that is for you personally to know when and what. When you are in your life, personal life, with your family, with your finances, when, have an understanding, when am I? And then have an understanding of what? What do you need to do? What does God want you to do in this church, in this ministry? I believe that when we ask him, he'll reveal it to us. He wants, he wants to reveal truth to you. So if you would, I'd like to challenge you. Would you come, let's find a place to pray. Turn and make an altar there, or let's come across the church. Father, right now, we turn this meeting into a prayer meeting. Nothing more, nothing less. And Father, across the congregation, help us to understand the when of our lives. When we are, Lord, in the different stages of life, when we are even in our finances and and in our relationships, when we are with our family, with our children, and with our husband, with our wife, and even with our grandchildren, may we understand the when. And may we know what, what, what is it that you want us to do as husband, as wife, as, as a grandfather, as a grandmother, Lord, as even a, a child. Lord, what do you want us to do? In your house, Father, in this ministry of this church, may we understand the, the when. That, Lord, this is a, a new beginning. This is a new pastor. The, the when is a, a time of a fresh anointing, of a revival. May we understand the when. But also for this church, may we understand that there's a what, that there's an involvement from every one of us. There's an involvement that you want throughout this congregation. Father, stir our hearts. As we seek your face, Lord, may, may you be found by this congregation. May we know, may we know the when, may we understand, may we know the what.
Thank you, Lord. Would you stand with me, please? Let's just worship him. Lord, we worship you. It's all about you. We want you magnified. We want you glorified. We want you exalted. Father, we pray for this beautiful congregation of people that, Lord, you would bless them. We ask for your protective hedge. We ask for your keeping. And, Father, the stirring of your Holy Spirit that we feel right now we pray that it would continue in this church. And may this church be a bright light that shines and may people living in darkness find their way to Christ through this church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. God bless you, church family, love y'all. Randy has a, an announcement.